When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Hello, everyone. We have a lot to cover today. You've seen today's title. We don't have any other announcements at the top of today's episode other than our usual uh, looking ahead to January and February as content begins to expand. But we have a lot to cover today. So without further ado, let's delve into it. Our first topic of today is, as we've been saying and covering the past few episodes, is the trial surrounding Prince Andrew. So we do have a few updates, a few rumors that uh, we're just going to mention that aren't really holding much water, but we do have some updates. As of today, the time of recording, there have been some advancements in the case. It's not really much of an advancement as more of uh, a ruling isn't 100% going to happen just yet. As a quick reminder, last week, the official documents regarding the 2009 agreement between Guffries and Epstein were made public in all details, and both sides, uh, Guffrey's side and Prince Andrew's side, did their arguments to try to sway the judge one way or another. Guffries was trying to say that the wording of this agreement excludes Prince Andrew and he needs to go to court for these uh, sexual assault allegations. Prince Andrew's team is arguing, of course, the opposite, saying that the wording does extend to him. Now, we were told that the all the details were released on Monday, they went through the whole deposition process on Tuesday, and that we were going to hear either a decision later that day or sometime last week. Well, we didn't have that, but today, a week later, we do have an update and Prince Andrew is going to have to go to some form of civil court. NBC New York is reporting about you know an hour ago that the judge has ruled a decision and that, quote, the wording of the agreement is too ambiguous and too open-ended for a judge to decide on their own. A jury will have to decide whether the case actually advances or not. So it is moving forward a little bit, but it's also not moving forward at all because he hasn't been formally charged. He will have to go to civil court in New York City to go before a jury and do this whole process again because the wording is too open-ended for the judge to officially rule on. Again, that is NBC New York is reporting that. I haven't seen any other news sources or, for that matter, any other royal reporters on Twitter or social media reporting on it. But from what we're beginning to see, it is looking like Prince Andrew will have to go to court Again, he hasn't been formally charged. The whole squabble back and forth right now is to decide whether there is a case here for him to then go to court. But last week, they went before just a judge in New York City. Now they're going to have to go before a jury to do the exact same thing over again. 
Now we're getting into some rumor territory with Prince Andrew. So again, take this with a grain of salt, but there's enough news sources reporting on it that there possibly could be some truth somewhere in the middle here. But it is looking like Prince Andrew is selling his Swiss chalet in order to cover all of his legal bills. The Duke and Duchess of York purchased the property in uh, around 2014, but they hadn't finished paying it off. And in fact, there was actual a small legal battle back and forth with Prince Andrew and the former owner who was selling the chalet because he hadn't gotten all of his payments. He, she, they. I'm not quite sure who the former owner is, so we'll just use they. The former owner hadn't gotten all of the payments, but uh, this past week, in between episodes, the former owner did finally get all of the payment. It was around 6.6 million pounds, or about 9.1 million dollars U.S., And now the chalet is officially paid off and it's looking as if they're going to try to turn around and sell it for between 15 to 22 million. And the big rumor there is that he is going to have to cover his legal bills on his own. It is no mystery that the royal family has very much distanced themselves from the Duke of York. And while the York family, both the Duchess of York and the two princesses are trying to put a united front to give their father some support, You know, those legal bills come, and it is believed that he is going to sell the chalet in order to cover the very much mounting legal bills. The last bit of Prince Andrew news, and I saw this again only in like two or three uh, tabloid uh, papers, and, and no other commentator was commenting on it, but it is worth noting that this rumor started going around is that Prince Andrew tried to uh, seek a settlement with Guffrey's out of court to essentially pay a lump sum and go, there we go, we're square and evens to not bring the case to court and to not advance it further. But those are the two big rumors around Prince Andrew right now, that he's attempting to shell his, his Swiss chalet in order to cover his legal bills and that he tried to do an out-of-court settlement with Guffrey's and her team, but they came back and said no. The only definitive thing that we know right now with the Prince Andrew case is that he is awaiting civil trial to do this whole process again, to go over the agreement, to go over the terms of the 2009 agreement, and then both sides plead their case, and then the jury will go and decide, and then you know, in the next few weeks, we'll actually figure out if Prince Andrew will be going to court on the sexual assault charges that have been brought forward by Guffrey. That is all we know concretely. That is the big update at the top of the episode regarding Prince Andrew. Last week on the 9th, a few days ago, Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cambridge celebrated her 40th birthday and From what all reports, it was very low-key in the family, but we, the public, got a treat. So on the 8th, at least on the 8th here in America, it was in the late afternoon evening, the Duchess released three official portraits ahead of her 40th birthday as a first blanket statement are incredibly beautiful, but we're going to dissect them a little bit, and yes, (laughs) if you are either on the Twitter page or on the Facebook page. These photos are already up there, so you can find that that post and follow along. But we're gonna first look at these images, understand and digest them a little bit because the royal family is sending messages through these 
pictures and do these portraits as you would expect there's messages with the jewelry with the poses with the clothing there's a whole it's not just i want to look pretty no these are very tactfully very tastefully done but there are hidden meanings here that we're gonna delve into of course a little background the photographer was italian fashion photographer paolo roversi i believe i'm pronouncing his last name right and he photographed all the portraits. He's a beautiful fashion photographer. In researching for this episode, I saw some of his work. And yeah, he's a really great photographer. So fantastic choice. And all of the gowns that uh, Catherine wore were by Alexander McQueen, specifically Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen. Sarah Burton has worked with the Duchess ever since her wedding in 2011. So again, we're using a British fashion house with Sarah Burton. And I remember always whenever they hear, they being the press, hear that uh, Catherine is using Alexander McQueen, there's always a little on edge, even knowing Alexander McQueen has risen to the occasion multiple times and put out such beautiful products for, for the for the Duchess. Alexander McQueen still has this, you know, edgy side to it, and they've been able to walk this line wonderfully of British pageantry in traditional uniform and sort of pushing the limit fashion-wise. But we have Alexander McQueen, specifically Sarah Burton by Alexander McQueen again. All three of these portraits are being featured in St. Andrews in Berkshire and Anglesey, which is a part of the National Portrait Gallery. They are a part of the Coming Home exhibition, which is traveling around, which is ahead of the gallery reopening in 2023. The Duchess is patron of the National Portrait Gallery, so of course it makes sense why the National Portrait Gallery would have them, would be featuring them, and why they are where they are. So there are three portraits. The Duchess is seen in three different poses, in three different gowns, and each one has a specific meaning going on. We're going to look at the very first one. The first one is a, she's in this off-the-shoulder uh, gown. It looks to be white, but the photo's in black and white. But she's in this off-the-shoulder white gown. Her hair is down. She's seated. She's in a three-quarter profile, and her whole body is three-quartered view. She has very light makeup on. Her jewelry is the is Princess Diana's pearl earrings and of course her very famous engagement ring. The pearl earrings and the engagement ring are the only jewelry being featured and they're very obvious. It's very serious. It's She has very relaxed expression. It's sort of done in a tin type, looking like it's an older antique phot uh, photograph. And this one is the most obvious in terms of hidden messages. When you look through older photographs and portraits of royals, especially if it's an official photograph for a birthday, you can see the homages abound. We see, You can see Princess Margaret in this photo. She's taken especially for her 21st birthday. There's uh, the queen when she was Princess Elizabeth. She took a lot of photographs for her birthday and official uh, portraits that looked very similar. But also uh, Queen Victoria and Queen Alexandra and Queen Mary all took similar photographs. And also the Austrian Empress Sissi took, uh, uh, had similar photographs done. So you can see here that they are doing direct homages to not only former royals, but also former queens and former consorts. They're doing very direct homages very direct illusions. It is very obvious once you start to look at it. And again, there's also uh, photo photographs that are similar that the Queen Mother took in the 1930s and early 1940s. So the very first photograph that was seen, this tin type, very serious, where she's in this 
It's a beautiful gown, by the way, but it's comparing her to these consorts and these former sovereigns. It's placing her among them, which is something that the royal family is beginning to prep for her, which we'll get to in a minute. But this first photograph is very classic, very sophisticated, direct references to royals past, both sovereigns and consorts, and it's a very beautiful kickoff. The next one, she is in an asymmetrical white gown. It is black and white. There's a lot of ruffles on the um, on the part that's over her shoulder. Her body is faced in three-quarter view, but her face is forward. She's in like a gray background. Her hair again is still down, but it's all pushed to one side and it looks like it's you know being blown by a fan. And she's smiling, she's looking at the camera, she looks great, she looks fantastic. The only jewelry to be seen is, again, Princess Diana's pearl earrings. She has very minimal makeup on, which the Duchess is known for not wearing a lot of makeup to begin with. She's having fun, she's smiling. It People are comparing it to what looks to be an 80s glamour shot or a like school photograph. Uh, it's, has, it has feelings of Princess Diana both in more in this photo but in the previous tin type type photo there's other photographs that in portraits that diana has taken that look similar but this one is more fun more jazzy again in black and white again people have been saying this feels more like an 80s glamour shot but she's having fun she's smiling and it's all cool great and fantastic the last one we are in color she's in this asymmetrical red gown with pockets it has this huge ruffle on uh, over her, I believe, her, yes, her right side. Her hands in, in her pockets. Her hair again is down, off to the side, being blown in the wind. She's smiling. She looks confident. She looks secure. She's on earrings loaned by Her Majesty the Queen. The Queen lent her these earrings that are typically worn when the Queen opens Parliament, when she's paired with the state diadem. Her hands are in pockets, which is typically seen as, you know, pockets are a sign of authority, sign of power. It's in color. She looks confident and great. Again, it's the only portrait in color. So we've at least described them, talked about what there are, but now let's get into a little bit of the hidden meanings that we talked about with the first portrait. So the general consensus is that this is the royal family trying to put their best foot forward and put out something positive to help begin to rebrand it, especially with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex still in the news and still bringing pushback. Also, after the death of the Duke of Edinburgh, getting ready for the Jubilee and the Prince Andrew scandal still ongoing, this is sort of a way to try to bring something fresh and different into the royal family. This is a very big PR movement for them. The general feeling is that these three portraits represent the past, the present and the future of the monarchy, specifically what the monarchy feels that is their past, their present, and what they think the future will be. The first photo, the black and white tin type, the very serious one, has direct homages to Diana, Princess of Wales, Queen Alexandra, Queen Mary, Her Majesty the Queen herself, Queen Victoria, Empress Sissy, older portraits of aristocrats past. They're placing her among these other sovereigns, again, showing that you know she is queen material she is consort material she's officially found her place within the royal family and they're again placing her among the other great women within the family the other one is that they're 
uh, preparing her to become the Princess of Wales and eventually Queen Consort. And in my opinion, she will be the next Princess of Wales. She will not use the Duchess of Cornwall title. In my opinion, once Charles assumes the throne and there is a Prince and Princess of Wales investiture, it will be the Prince William, Prince of Wales, Catherine will be the Princess of Wales. That's just my opinion. A lot of people are divided on it. It is very much the monarchy trying to show how they think of them th themselves and also how they're prepping Catherine. They're trying to place her among the greats. The, the only jewelry borrowed is either from Princess Diana or from the queen herself. And again, the, the jewelry that they chose was from the uh, set that she typically wears for opening parliament. Again, we have black and white, black and white in color, showing clear progression. Her poses get different. She becomes a little bit more confident. She, again, is smiling, having a grand old time. Those are a little bit of the hidden meanings of it, that the monarchy is trying to place her among the greats. They're preparing her to be Princess of Wales. And they are also, again, setting subtle, subtle messages of her being the consort, just being a consort, period and what the monarchy feels of themselves right now, the past, the present, and the future, but their interpretation of it. The 100% consensus is that everybody loves these portraits. They have been accepted wonderfully, but again, the big thing is trying to understand what the messages are being sent. So if you have read HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Fashion by Elizabeth Holmes, she delves into this royal fashion a little bit and the big thing that's been happening more recently and again once you start noticing it you won't stop noticing it is that Catherine's style has changed very subtly and very slowly over over the years when she first entered the royal family a lot of what she was wearing was or could be considered um quote unquote off the rack or um ready to made ready to made fashion and there was this big thing called the Catherine effect where they would see something that was you know in a Primark or somewhere yeah, on at like a high street shop and they could buy it. It was something that they could readily have access to. And that's why people loved her. And they also began to pick up on that she was re-wearing a lot of these things. She would wear a you know, coat maybe two, three, four times instead of just once and putting it away. Now her style is changing and they're slowly having homages and subtle references to Princess Diana in what she's wearing. Uh, the biggest one that stood out was when uh, Prince William and Catherine went to the Bond movie premiere and she was in that gold gown. Well, if you look back to when Princess Diana uh, went to a Bond film, she was in a silver gown that had a very similar beading pattern on it. Coincidence? Maybe. Or was it more than that? When she gave birth to Prince Louis, she had on a red gown that when she did the photo op right after Prince Louis was born, Princess Diana had on a similar dress, dress, as, dress as that. They're slowly having her wear these references and homages to either Princess Diana or to the Queen because it'll be, one, it's a hit if people understand the reference, but again, they're preparing her for her eventual role. She doesn't do too many engagements. I believe last year her total count was like 150, 160, which is still a lot, but compared to the other royals, she doesn't do a whole lot. But when she does do it, it's very deliberate and calculated. And royal fashion isn't something that's haphazardly thought of. Everything is deliberately picked. Everything is to send a message. So people are still trying to understand the messages of these three portraits. But that is the general consensus and message that has been interpreted and understood. 
Catherine, your next Princess of Wales, your next Queen Consort, your next great consort in history, this woman paying homage to royal women's past, very elegant, classic, sophisticated, simple. There's not a lot going on, so you can just focus on her. What does she do for the rest of her birthday? We don't really know. We do know that her, Prince William, and the three children, Prince George, Princess Charlotte, and Prince Louis, were more than likely at Amner Hall over in Norfolk on the Sandringham House estate, uh, spending time just privately as a family. It is rumored that the Middletons went up to Amner Hall a few days after to celebrate with her, but it's not particularly known. It wasn't a big 40th birthday bash. It wasn't anything like that. They decided, again, because Omicron cases are spiking, there's a new variant in France. Everything's really scary right now, so she decided that for her birthday, nope, she's just gonna stay home, be with family to keep everybody safe, and that's a more than likely wise decision. But there we have it. We have Catherine's 40th birthday big milestone and the royal family decided to celebrate with the commissioning of these three portraits. What do you think? Are people reading too much into these? Are there actual subtle meanings or do you think there's other hidden meanings? You know, what's going on here? You know, she followed the rules, borrowed jewelry, British fashion houses. She had an Italian photographer, but he's wonderfully talented. Do you think there's any other meanings going on? Let, let me know. Sound off on social media. Let me know what you think some of these messages are. But they were pretty obvious that they were what they were placing her among the greater women within the royal family. On the basis of women in the royal family, we have jubilee plans. So on Monday the 10th, Buckingham Palace and all of the royal social medias have officially confirmed the plans for the jubilee. The platinum jubilee beginning in February. That's when celebrations will, will, will begin when they made the formal announcement last year. They had a few, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're gonna, but it wasn't a direct plan. Well, now we do. We have a complete concrete plan as to what is going on in the Jubilee. And yes, things will begin in February, but throughout the entire year of 2022, there will be celebrations everywhere. Now, there is a big difference. She was coronated in 1953, but she ascended to the throne in 1952, and that's a big deal. This is celebrating her actual ascension, her being on the throne, not her coronation, you know, as queen, but actual being on the throne. Of course, you can 100% guarantee as these celebrations begin, we will be covering them in grave detail. Buckingham Palace and Royal Media announced that all of these little events starting in February will then culminate to a bank holiday starting on Thursday, June 2nd and ending on Sunday, June 5th. The plan is, quote, the bank holiday will provide an opportunity for communities and people throughout the United Kingdom to come together to celebrate the historic milestone. The four days of celebration will include public events and community activities, as well as national moments of reflection on the Queen's 70 years of service. So everything culminates to this bank holiday in June, where a lot of the big celebrations in the United Kingdom will, will, will be happening. But everything begins in February. So February 6th is the actual anniversary, 70 years on the on the throne, which is both awesome, cool, great, but also that's the day her dad died. So that's the day when George VI passed. So it's a little bittersweet that, yes, it's this monumental occasion, but also it's, you know, your her father passed away 70 years ago. 
And so from what all royal social media has said, the queen will be spending that day, which is called Ascension Day, alone at Windsor Castle in private reflection with family. Family that can come will be there. But February 6th, the actual beginning of the Jubilee, will be spent at home at Windsor Castle because Buckingham Palace is still being renovated. But starting on June 2nd, when the actual major Jubilee celebrations will be taking place. June 2nd is the Trooping the Color and Birthday Parade, and the Platinum Jubilee Beacons will be lit, and there will be celebrations there. The Principal Beacon will be lit in a special ceremony at Buckingham Palace, and then the beacons will begin to be lit all across the Commonwealth. Trooping the Color is a typical thing that happens on the Queen's second birthday. More often than not, sovereigns have uh, two birthdays, their actual official birthday that they spend time with family, and then their official birthday that they spend with the country. Why that's done is it's usually if they're born in the winter, their their second birthday is in the summer, because at that point, there's greater chance for good weather for a parade and celebrations, where in the wintertime, being cold, wet, snowy, the probability of people coming out is lower and the celebrations won't be as joyous. So this is something that always happens on the Queen's second birthday. There is the Trooping the Color and the official birthday parade. On June 3rd, there is a service of Thanksgiving at St. Paul's Cathedral where everybody will be taking a moment to reflect on the Queen's service that she has uh, done throughout her 70 years on the throne. And that'll be a big momentous occasion at St. Paul's Cathedral. On June 4th, the royal family will accompany Her Majesty the Queen at uh, the Derby at Epsom Downs, and there will be a platinum party at the Palace, which is a BBC broadcasted concert where there will be other musicians and famous celebrities there to you know, have this big festival party concert, again, to mark the Jubilee. And as you can expect, there's horses involved. There's a big, you know, equestrian horse racing at uh, Epsom at Epsom Downs, where the Queen will be accompanied by other royals. June 5th, ending out the major Jubilee celebrations, there'll be the big Jubilee lunch and the platinum Jubilee pageant. There is a uh, Jubilee pudding contest that will be happening at some point that I couldn't find a date of. That is probably my fault for missing it, but there is that happening as well. But the big Jubilee celebration ends with a big pageant and a lunch and then that will round out the major celebrations. But that's not all the royal family and the royal collection is doing to celebrate the Jubilee. The Queen's Green Canopy is planning a large planting and and conservation initiative to mark the Jubilee. The Royal Collection Trust has already begun prepping and showcasing little teasers for exhibits happening not only in the museums that the Royal Collection Trust uh, spearheads, but also in the royal residences that will be open to the public to tour and see. The biggest thing is, once again, her coronation dress and the official robes of state will be brought out of storage and be on display for everybody to see. There's going to be a lot of other pageantry and big landmark pieces of like furniture or clothing or other art on display to mark the ascension and the jubilee. I do know that uh, they've already begun teasing the coronation dress again and the purple robes of state being on display. And uh, not only that, but the Royal Collection Trust is prepping to open at least uh, what they can at Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, and um, Hollywood House. The official residences owned by the Royal Collection Trust and historic royal palaces, those will be able to be open to be toured and there'll be a whole bunch of stuff to be featured there. 
And lastly, the Queen's private estates will be doing something as well to mark the Jubilee for the towns and counties that they are residing in for their residents and for people close to there to go to. There aren't a lot of details that are being released about that right now, but we do know that those private residences will be doing something as well. There is a uh, Platinum Jubilee celebration before the big one in June that is from May 12th to May 15th. The Platinum Jubilee celebration will see over 500 horses and 1,000 performers to create a 90-minute piece of arena theater that will include actors and artists, musicians, international military display, dancers, global equestrian displays, and more. So the Platinum Jubilee celebration is a multi-day sort of big festival that will showcase a whole bunch of stuff, again, to celebrate the Queen and her 70 years of service to the throne. Buckingham Palace has released official merchandise for the Jubilee. It is purple to match the purple robes of state, and of course purple and white with the, our main borders. There is uh, china and tea set, you know, pieces of a tea set that you can piece together. There's crystal glasses and a coffee cup. There is a little pillbox clock that you can open, that sidebar I really want. Um, but all of them are inspired by the purple robes of state, and there's uh, coins that have been distributed that you can purchase as well that show the queen on horseback, and everything is full steam ahead for the Jubilee celebrations that begin in February, but really kick off in May and June, just in the United Kingdom. Now, elsewhere in the Commonwealth, they'll probably have their own celebrations as well, whether during the bank holiday or throughout the rest of the year, that's up to them. But the plans that have concretely been made available are those in the United Kingdom. And as you can guess, we will be covering it. We will be covering everything. But there we have it, folks. How can we put a little, you know, summary on today? Prince Andrew is going forward with his case. Granted, it's going forward, but also not at the same time, where they're just having a jury decide if he gets uh, goes forward with the case or not, because the wording's too ambiguous. The Duchess of Cambridge had her official portraits released for her 40th birthday, and while beautiful and breathtaking as they are and showcase that her taste level in elegance as a royal, there's deeper meanings there that place her in greater royal history and showcase what her future will be and how the monarchy feels of itself. And lastly, the Jubilee. We have the Jubilee to look forward to, and those official plans have been set in stone and have been released to the public. And while celebrations begin in February, they really kick off in May, in June. My sources for today's podcast are The Times, The Daily Beast, the official Instagram for Their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Mata Effect on Twitter and TikTok, Hella Magazine, HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Fashion, by Elizabeth Holmes, NBC New York, and the official website for the royal family, royal.uk. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing to improve the show, you can drop me a line over at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com. Any and all suggestions are welcome. If you want to stay up to date on events within the royal family or with the podcast itself, you can head on over to Twitter and follow me there at fanatic underscore royal, or you can head over to the Facebook page, which is the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I do my best to interact with all of you as best I can, and there you can recommend topics for future episodes too. 
If you feel so inclined and would like to donate to support the podcast, you can do that either on the Anchor homepage or with the uh, PayPal link posted on the Twitter homepage. Any and all donations are welcome, and I do my best to make it worth your while. Head on over to wherever you're listening to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Give the podcast five stars so that the family can continue to grow and we can be seen by more by, by more people and content can continue to get better and better. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you.